This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. I'm Matt Addison with Ian Doyle, Theo Squires and David Lynch, all with me for today's show. After Liverpool performed dismally at Old Trafford on Monday night, we'll be digging into exactly what went wrong and what must come next with injuries just the start of the issues for Jurgen Klopp and his players to solve at the moment. Plenty for us to get stuck into on this show, plenty for Liverpool to work on ahead of hosting Bournemouth at Anfield next weekend. And Doyle, I'll come to you first. You were obviously at the game last night. We didn't quite know what to expect in terms of the protests and the atmosphere around Old Trafford, but I suppose the one thing we probably should have expected was that Manchester United would try and tr- sort of show a, a response really on their performance the week previously. And Liverpool just didn't match the intensity and, dare I say, the the desire as well. It just was not a good night all round for Liverpool. No, United did a lot of running around at the start, which is what helped them. Liverpool, for some reason, seemed a bit nervous. Liverpool looked very much a team who had planned for this game for a week and then the day before the game had to change things totally again because somebody else got injured. So, I'm sure we'll get into... All the reasons why they lost. I mean, my answer now could go on for about half an hour. The other two can go on. We could just, well, they're already our own, but the other two can just like <laughs> get off the podcast and that would be it. It would just be uh, me just chatting. But uh, that would be very selfish of me. Very selfish. I will share the pain with everybody. I know that Lynch has got quite a few things he wants to get off his chest, primarily <laughs> pro Manchester United. Um, but it's been, in all, right, in all seriousness, right? I wasn't impressed with United at all. I didn't think they were particularly good. That shows you how bad Liverpool were. Liverpool were absolutely atrocious for 25 minutes, which is the same against Fulham, uh, when they were absolutely atrocious in the first half. Um, But yeah, there are an awful lot of reasons for Liverpool being the way they are. If you've got £280 million of talent on the, you know, not playing, any team's going to struggle to cope with that. Especially when you look at it, the two centre-backs who partnered Van Dijk Last towards the end of last season, both were out. Van Dijk, for some reason, over the you know, has not been great this season. He's no pressure on his place. Joe Gomez was one of the best players for Liverpool on the pitch. Midfield, you've got Thiago, your, your main conductor. He's not playing, and a lot the, the, the younger legs and the thrust that comes from Jones and Oxley Chamberlain, they're not playing either. And up front, you've lost your your main threat for the first second half of last season in Mane. The guys replaced him. He's also not available. And then your other guy who, 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 in these kind of games, tends to score the first goal, Jota, he's not playing either. So, factor in, you know, what happened against Crystal Palace, against Fulham, and it all adds up to a bit of a recipe for, you know, for, for things not going well for Liverpool. But if they'd have played the first half as they did for the last 25 minutes, they wouldn't have lost. It's as simple as that. I mean, as I said, United, I saw some stuff saying, today saying they were outstanding, which does kind of underline just how far standards have dropped at Old Trafford. But it was still enough to beat Liverpool, who I think, personally, still haven't got over what happened at the end of last season. It's not quite Brendan Rodgers' 2014-15 levels of hangover because they lost Suarez, obviously, then, and and they didn't really replace replace him. Um, I just think that with the break being so short, there's not been a lot of time for them to kind of recover, even in ways, you know, physically. They played about, what was it, 63 games last season? I mean, how can you go from being almost perfect to, you know, perfectly awful, to be honest, for the first 25 minutes? So there's an awful lot going on. I mean, people will look at the team selection and go, why, did we, why didn't Fabinho play? But 
I wasn't surprised that he wasn't playing, given the fact that he was absolutely terrible against Crystal Palace. You know, he's not, and you know, and then he came on and did okay. To be fair, because you know Henderson wasn't very good. Milner, for all his you know attributes, at times looked about as old as I am because he is. And you know, poor Harvey Elliott. He, you know, the second half he, he did better, but the first half he kind of looked like a what he is, which is 19 years old, played in one of these big games for one of the first times. So if you write them all down, it's no reason for me. There's all the reasons for why it happened. But these aren't excuses. They're reasons. And the problem Liverpool have now, because we can talk about this now, as we will do, for about 35, 40 minutes. What happens next? No one's coming back for the Bournemouth game. And they're probably not going to be back for the Newcastle game either. So they're going to have to sort it between themselves. Alison Becker did an interview with the website uh, after the game, uh, the Liverpool website, I should say, after the game. And he kind of said, you know, teams know the way we play, but everybody knows how Liverpool play. And I think they would like to change things around, but how can, how can they with the players that they've got available at the moment? Now's not the time to make drastic changes, do anything radical. But they're going to have to do something different because the way things are going at the moment, you know, I, I hate to be the one to say this, but what was it about three weeks ago? Everybody laughed at me when I said Liverpool were going to win nothing and they weren't really going to challenge for the title because it'll be a season of transition. didn't expect it to be three games in and I'd get proven right, but it is. And Klopp said that last May. The problem they got is a lot of the players who are the transitional players, they're also injured. Canati, there's one. Nunes is one. Jota, you could say. He wanted Kurt Jones to be a bit more involved. He's not there. So, you know, they're, they're not excuses. They're reasons. The only thing there is no excuse for is the way Liverpool started the game because they just... They should have known what was coming because they played at Old Trafford enough times and, and they know what to expect, especially with United fans being as football fans are. All football fans are massive hypocrites. The minute that things go, we're starting to go OK for them. You know, where was this protest? Not to be seen. Yeah, the, the slow start, Theo, is, is a crucial point, isn't it? Liverpool, it is becoming a pattern now. It is becoming a trend and that is something that they can turn around. I think that the last time they took the lead in a game was back in April against Newcastle. I think it's seven Premier League matches in a row now. They've conceded the first goal. I mean, it's it, it, it's clearly an, an obvious way to, to change things. Obviously, doing so is, is proving slightly more difficult. Yeah, it's just, it's, I suppose Liverpool peaked last season in that first half of the, the FA Cup semi-final. And since then, they've gradually got worse and worse and they're like running out of ideas now and Doyle's pretty much just covered every single reason why um we were talking in the office yesterday it's like well, this game could go either way against United if Liverpool got the first goal then the United fans would have been on the team's back they'd have been against the Glazers it'd have been a horrible atmosphere for very different reasons and Liverpool could have won it quite comfortably it was almost how it went their way against them last year they scored after like five minutes and we all know how that ended up but then United started well. The fans created a brilliant atmosphere for them. They were obviously going to respond to that after the Brentford loss. Um, I think Ten Hag, he, he did get his tactics right. by right? Not starting Ronaldo, not starting Maguire. Having those players that can actually run makes a bit of a difference. Uh, Liverpool, this high lines looked a bit vulnerable at times and they were taking advantage of that. And it all just came together with well, Liverpool started slowly yet again. It's very simple to say all they need to do is find a way to stop starting slowly. But some of their players, they've got so many players, not just injured, but out of form as well. And it's the big players that you normally rely on. 
it's like Trent's not looked himself for a while. Virgil van Dijk's not looked himself for a while. So when they start putting in big performances again, then the defence is going to look more solid. And then the midfield maybe can actually play as a midfield. The attack, at least it's a new attack that hasn't played together before really. And it's just finding its feet again. It's, all, it's a big loss losing Sadio Mane. But Liverpool at the moment, they don't look like a team. They look like they're mentally shot after last season. They need to find a way to piece it back together. <laughs> but when you've got nothing in reserve, it's very hard to do that because it is just a way of playing through. Like I did a piece yesterday lunchtime saying, well, this is the type of game where you need Naby Keita to step up. You need Joe Gomez to step up. Roberto Firmino, the players that weren't really playing much last year or have had the injury problems. And what happens? Well, Keita, now he could be out for a few weeks, month, whatever. We don't know. We're just another player added to the injury list. Feels like with, what, a week to go until the transfer window closes, they need signings. They need something to be thrown into that squad to give them a boost, to lift the spirits, to have that impact that Luis Diaz had in January. But you speak to Jurgen Klopp after every game, he's put, this question is put to him and he doesn't have the answer. It's impossible for him to go out and spend if the money's not there or if the bright player's not there. Uh, he's worked miracles before and he's going to have to do so again, but it's not pretty at this current time. Can I, can I yeah. just point out that what, what um, Piop said there, and I mentioned in my, in my stuff, sorry, Lynchy, I'll let you talk a minute. Um, it was uh, United made the decision to drop Fred, Ronaldo, uh, Maguire and Shaw. So that's the equivalent now of Liverpool on Saturday, dropping Van Dijk, say for argument's sake, Trent, um, Henderson or Milner. I was going to say Henderson, Henderson and Firmino. Okay. So in midfield, Fabinho can come in. That's one. Is Nat Phillips going to play centre back? Who's going to play right back? And, and up front, you're going to play Carvalho as a forward. We can get on to what whether because he's actually one of the bright points when he came on. But that doesn't align that, as Theo said, they just haven't got anybody to to come in because they're all injured. And there's not a lot not a lot you can do about that unless you want to go have a massive podcast on why players get injured and when. And we could talk about well, look, Kate's being injured. He's always injured. But, you know, the reality is over the past 12 months, he hasn't always been injured. It's It's been as simple as that. He, he, this is unusual for him. And, I mean, will... I mean, anyway, Lynch, you go. You talk about it. The injuries is an important point, actually. I, I think, you know, you, you mentioned them earlier in the podcast about saying that that was a potential reason for why Liverpool are where they are. But I, I, don't, I don't think that's a good enough excuse for yesterday's performance. You look at the start of 11, for example... So the back five is the, is the back five that, that won the Premier League two years ago. And I mean, I mean, and only the one change really from what they had last season. So in terms of bringing Joe Gomez in, he was, he was an excellent centre-half. And I thought he played okay in, in, in period yesterday. Um, so that, that shouldn't be as poor as it was. The front three is, is basically the first choice front three with, with Nunez out for Firmino, which is a swap you would expect Liverpool to make quite often what, what this season. What I would say, Lynch, how many times have Firmino, Diaz and Salah played together? Well, I mean, how many times have so Nunez starts? How many times has he played with them? Not very frequently at all. Well, so no, you would well, just well, say, well, oh, well, we well, should well, expect United to lose. No, I'm, no. Not, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just saying that, that those three are as untried as Nunez. There's, there's right, no try, so it's okay. to be a new attack. Well, I don't accept that that's a, a reason for them playing as poorly as they did, to, to be honest. So I think that front three is one is one uh, figure away from being the, the first choice front three. And as it was, you're bringing in Firmino, who's got bags of experience and quality, and it's been a big part of what Liverpool have done in recent years. So then that leaves you with the midfield, which I think it's obvious Thiago Alcantara would have started. 
Um, Fabinho was dropped because, yeah, he hasn't had a great start to the season, but that was a choice that the manager made to, to leave him out. Didn't want to play him back into form. He just figured that he was going to pull him out. Um, and then that other spot is up for debate. Would it have been Elliot? Would it have been Henderson, depending on who was fit or whatever? But it, it, it's not like the first 11 was absolutely miles away from Liverpool's first choice. But, but I think the, the biggest issue they had throughout the entire game was that that midfield... Is, is not miles away from the first choice, and yet it, it just isn't good enough. I think a couple of things have happened since last season. I think Milner's probably going a year too far. I think I think giving him that contract was a it was a good decision if he was going to play significantly fewer games than last season, but it, we're already looking like he's going to play a lot more because of how many injury-prone players are around him. I think Henderson quite quietly had a very patchy season last season and may well be slightly on the slide past his peak. I think it, it went under the radar last season because Liverpool's results were just, just so good over the, the entirety of the season that, that Henderson had some serious patches of really poor form throughout that. And that could be the you know, that could be the new normal for him going forward. Thiago Alcantara, phenomenal, but he can't stay fit. This is nothing new. Liverpool knew it when they signed in. And so building the midfield around a situation whereby if he isn't fit, you've got a serious problem. That is a nightmare particularly the players behind him have either shown that they're not massively trusted by the manager or can't stay fit consistently. So Liverpool are always starting on the back foot in midfield. And I think it was such a massive problem last night because they got completely run out of the game by Manchester United in that area. And that exposed the defence, which I think man for man is not a bad defence, but it got, it got made to look stupid last night because I'm telling you, if at this level you let players get that amount of space in front of you or you give balls away loose in midfield, of course they're going to pick passes in, in between your right back and your centre-half. It's easy. Any of us could do it. We're given that amount of space. And, and given the level of quality, United were just, it was too easy for them. So I, th- I, I think it all comes down to, and I know if people bang on about it, and we've spoke about it all summer on the podcast, but Liverpool's midfield issue was so obvious last night. And if they want to go forward and say they don't want to sign anyone in that position, fair play, be stubborn about it. But it, it's so obvious now to even sort of the layman that that is going to be an issue for them going forward. Because what's not going to happen is, unless they get really lucky and Thiago Alcantara comes back from this injury, and it's consistently fit for the rest of the season, they're going to have a serious problem in there. And I, I just think that was made all the more obvious last night. We saw it a lot. Just as well they gave Milner a contract, though, wasn't it? Who the hell would have played? Well, yeah. <laughs> just yeah, as yeah. well they gave him the contract, so maybe Klopp knew exactly what he was doing overall. I mean, the, mid- we- the midfield thing <clears> is interesting because, again, what was it? Two months ago, they were within one week of winning everything. So it's clearly not quite as bad as people are making out but if your players aren't there they're not available you know I think Klopp deserves you know they showed the hand didn't they because they tried to sign the lad from Monaco has gone to Real Madrid so quite clearly they, they knew quite well that they need to get some new midfielders in and I think that probably the minute they didn't sign him or couldn't sign him that's when they, they, they said right we're just going to keep Oxlade, Chamberlain and Cater because that's two players who are going to go at the end of the contract and they try obviously they've been trying to give Cater a new contract whether or not that comes off now that now, we don't know how bad his injury is, I don't know, but that's backfired because the pair of them have got injured. And he kind of really expected both of them to go. And even though you'd say Kate, you know, again, Kate, he hadn't had an injury since last October, I think it was, a serious injury. So is, is, is and, part obviously, of... and obviously, Chamber, obviously, is, is he did, yeah, he's had two, is it two or three bad, and obviously had the, the crucial ligaments and he had a, a knee at the start of the 2020 season. When they won the league, he was available for practically every game. So th- th- this is why. Klopp thought, oh, maybe we can just 
stick along with these and then Curtis Jones. But he, do, he doesn't. He doesn't like either. Of, he, he, he doesn't trust either of them though. So Alex Oxlade well, Chamberlain was fit for the majority of the runs last you, season, and he didn't get a sniff. But it depends what you call trust. You're right about Oxlade Chamberlain, but then Cater played loads of games towards the end of the season. He played very well in the in the cup semi final. Theo mentioned earlier, so. He didn't start that many games, Cater, last season. Only no. 14, started, only 14 though, in the he started, league. He started two of the three cup finals. Admittedly, one was because Thiago pulled out injured. Um, yeah. yeah, And he started the cup semi-final. And he started the second leg of the Champions League semi-final. They're quite big games. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, so, I mean, he's not. He's definitely not first choice. That was one hundred percent was Klopp using, making use of his squad to avoid injuries elsewhere. He, well, he doesn't think that'd be Because he's got the, everybody's injured. So but is, is that not is that not sort of part of it? it for me, it, the two, the two things linked together. Part of the reason why they didn't get so many injuries last season was because they had more options and they were able to move them around. And obviously, now with the five subs, if you've got more players available, if you've got someone else who's reliable to put into that mix. Maybe then you see a better Henderson. Maybe you don't see Cater injured as much. Maybe Thiago doesn't get played as much, so he doesn't get injured as much. Is it? Are the two things not sort of linked together with each other? It can't be a coincidence that last season everyone stayed fit and they were able to kind of rotate and, and do that. I know there is there's an element of chance in that, but there's there's also an element of kind of knowing that at some point Thiago was going to get injured, at some point Oxley Chamberlain was going to get injured. It's it, it's surely those two things are linked together, aren't they? Yes, but with three sorry, games sorry, in. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Exactly. exactly. It's um, one where like, Oxley chamberlain was injured early in pre-season. Kate hasn't even played in the Premier League yet. Thiago was injured in what, the first Premier League game of the season. You, you're right. When they have all the options available for the second half of last season, they could rotate, they could protect the players. They've all went on this insane run of form where they nearly won everything. But we were surprised when that happened because it has never happened before in Klopp's reign. Players have always had injuries and the players that are injured now are the ones that have historically always had the injuries. Like It's going to cause debate again with Naby Keita. With him in the final year of his contract, you just say Liverpool needed him to step up and stay injury fit, but it is something he cannot do. Like, is this the end of the line for him now? It's like you can't rely on him. But I think it was, um, was it Mo Stewart who's done a piece at the dot com? It's like Navigate is the only midfielder who's in the peak of, or should be in the peak of his powers at the moment. And that highlights that problem there. But then Fabinho's had injury problems. Henderson's had injury problems. Milner getting older's had injury problems. <laughs> How much worse could it be if these three fall to form now and have the setbacks? Firmino, he's never had injuries until last season, really, at Liverpool. And it all comes together. They need players to stay fit. And it's like when it rains, it pours. Historically, Liverpool were okay with the centre-back options um, when all of them got injured. Like Matip was a bit dodgy, but they didn't expect Van Dijk to have an ACL and then Gomez to do his knee so seriously. And it all just went wrong at the same time. Three games in now, and it's like, when is it going to stop? When are they actually going to have a team together? But then you look at the players that are injured, how many of them are really going to make a massive difference at this point when they come back? Thiago's world class. Jota can score goals. Nunes is settling in. The others are the fringe players. You're needing them to show a bit more. You need Curtis Jones to finish the season first choice to make that step. It's so much. It's uh, just not going right at the moment. And we're not even out of August yet. It's ridiculous. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I do, I do think, I mean, I'm going to do be old man again, if you don't mind. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when Liverpool nearly won the double, 1988. 
when they had the great team. You know, it's regarded up until you know recently, probably Liverpool's best ever team. The following season, at the start of the season, loads of players got injured and they were absolutely terrible. Like they were just losing games all over the place. They would never have lost six months earlier. And that is, you know, if there's one team that loves rhythm, it's 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 um, this Liverpool team. As, as as Theo said before, part of the problem is the players who he's now relying on, Klopp, the form, the, the, who are the better players are just out of form. You know, Van Dyke, who is he now? I don't know. Is is that knee injury catching up with him? Having played so many games last season, I don't know. Is you know what's up with Trent? You know why? Why is he? Is Trent? Trent's an interesting one because going forward, I don't think he's got any problems. I do think that he's as as Lynchy said before, kind of hinted at before. He he's one that needs the protection from the midfield, and that's not coming because they were all over the place. You know, you saw in the first half, Harvey Elliott was, you know, one of Liverpool's better players, but defensively, he wasn't really offering that much. Although, funnily enough, one of the times that he did do it inadvertently led to the first goal when he came back and he did a good tactic block, didn't he, on, on Ericsson and the kind of, well, his fault, obviously, but it's just it's just that he was there. Um, so, yeah, I do think that you, the injuries is a problem. It is. Sorry, it's it just sounds boring, but look at the, the season. Forget 1988, two seasons ago. Look what happened. I remember Lynch, was on a podcast and he said something like, well, who knew that when Liverpool got all their players back, they were actually quite good, you know. So it's it's that situation again. It's just that we're it's in the midfield where people are already asking questions about it. That's why it's become you know more more prevalent. No one's no one's talking that much about the forwards, even though I personally think they should have got another forward in anyway. And I think that's yeah, they- kind of like I think that's kind of you know been underlined by what's happened so far. Because you were putting a lot of stock in Nunes hitting the ground running, and now he's, yeah. you know, through his own actions and his own frustration, he's been ruled out. Games where, you know, he 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 would have made a difference last night up against Martinez, who spent most of his game, to be fair, trying to wind people up. Yeah, yeah. The the, the forward question is something we're going to come on to as well, Lynch. We might as well do that now. I mean, it wasn't the best game from Roberto Firmino, was it? No, absolutely not. I think you know, if the team is not set up in a way that, you know, you've got, he, he was so good in that false nine role, wasn't he, over the years in terms of that Sadio Mane and, and Mo Salah were, were in behind, in behind, in behind constantly. And the whole, his whole job was to link up play in that deeper position and, and to create space for them to run into. And for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to be sort of working like that at the moment. I don't feel like you've seen Diaz hit that space in between fullback and centre-half quite as frequently as Mane did. Maybe that's what he's like as a player. Maybe that's what he's being asked to do. To do. He's a bit more of a ball carrier maybe than a, last line, you know, running in behind. Um, but even Salah doesn't seem to be quite getting in that position as, as frequently as he used to. So it just, it, it, yesterday that manifested itself in Firmino just looking completely lost. And I think that it's interesting saying about the, the forward line, actually about needing another forward, is that, that Liverpool do sort of look light in that position now, don't we? Because as you say, if Nunez doesn't hit the ground running, which he hasn't, he's now suspended, Jota's out injured. You know, where, where are your alternative sort of goal options off the bench? You know, Fabio Carvalho, you're asking a lot of him to come into the forward line and be Takumi Minamino and Divock Origi at the same time and, and, and make up for that. You know, you, you haven't got those coming off the bench now and they were guaranteed goals or a chance of goals. Um, and it all adds up to me, along with what I said about the midfield in terms of a couple of players being a little bit further down the line and, and the injury problems manifesting themselves again. I actually think Liverpool's squad may be far weaker on paper now than it was at the end of last season, which is, you know, when you consider the achievements of last season and what Jurgen Klopp put together with that team, 
to give him a weaker squad for this season just seems like utter madness. But that is is without doubt for me what what Liverpool have done, and that you know we, we've seen that in the opening three games. Yes, they've been unfortunate with the injuries and that, and I'm sh- I'm absolutely certain that the results will recover to an acceptable level at some point. But I think you know they've weakened the squad, been hit by the injuries, and now they're sort of reaping what they've sown really in terms of that and. And yeah, and it's really harming the results and it's been a bad start to such a degree that you're starting to think, well, you know, can they even win the Premier League still? And it's it's ridiculous. It's August and we're saying that, but it might, you know, is, is that ridiculous? Is that unfair? I, I, I genuinely think, you know, given the standards of recent seasons, it's not a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that, to be fair. More more than the, the squad, though, Theo. I mean, just the, the three players that, that started yesterday in the attack for Liverpool, it, it struck me, not just yesterday, but in all three of, of the games so far, they're just... They're so far apart from each other. We don't really see the, the link up yet. And I know, obviously, Luis Diaz is still relatively new and there's still a bit of an evolution to be had here at, at Liverpool with the forward line. But it, it just seemed to me that Diaz was very far left, Salah very far right. There was nothing in between. It it, it just didn't really feel like it was ever going to be able to, to link up that front three because they just were miles apart from each other. Yeah, it feels like players who have never played together before. They don't feel like a team at the moment. There aren't those relationships, those connections. Like It's not quite clicking down the right-hand side with the, the three, whether it's Elliot or Henderson with Trent and Salah either, getting each other's way. And it shows, I suppose, we've been spoiled for however many years having Salah, Firmino and Mane when they're at the peak of their powers and everything was just so smooth and goals galore. And now it's that transition of well, you're relying on Salah to still be able to do it. And he's maybe not at his very best because the front three isn't clicking, but he's still getting goals. He's still getting in positions that have been glimpses alongside Nunes. But you're relying on Nunes to come in, hit the ground running, pick up where Mane left off, get suspended. Diaz, he was always going to have a drop off. Like it was incredible how he started his Liverpool career as well as he did. There was going to come a time where it caught up with him. He's showing glimpses still, but it's about getting a stable, consistent front three that can link up, that can be this new uh, trio like Mane, Firmino and Salah. But then you look at Firmino now and it's almost looking like he's past his peak, like he shouldn't be getting this new contract. It's like last season, maybe it's fine having him down the pecking order. They had seven senior international forwards and he was, what, fifth in the pecking order. Well, now he's already fourth when everyone's available and we're in a position where he's what third now it uh, shows that they made a not a mistake but they need something else there and it's a changing of the times that Firmino isn't first choice for Liverpool anymore you can't have him as this leading striker when the criticism about him not getting the goals has been constant for two three years now maybe if it was a 4-2-3-1 and you've got num- number 10 that's fine or if you had Salah and Diaz perfectly tuned like Mane and Salah were a few years ago, cutting inside, making the right runs, in the right spaces, getting the goals, and then you don't have that criticism on him as much. But then you need them midfield in the right spaces. You need them working as a, a trio, uh, getting forward, making the right things. You need the fullbacks on the game. And at the moment, none of it's clicking together. It's all falling apart. Like defence, their line at times is atrocious. They're not holding it. It's easy to get in behind them. Like It's debatable. I, I thought the, sec- um, the second goal... Would, should have been offside yesterday for Rashford. But Gomez had just done it right. But even then, should have been a bit smarter holding that line, getting forward to make it an obvious decision. And there have been so many instances of that. We're not seeing the fullbacks 
get forward and creating anything of note compared to previous years. Every single cross into the box gets cut out. It's just, oh, we've got to give it to Salah or Diaz, hope they can beat three or four men and then make something happen. And it's very easy to just defend deep and cut that out. Uh, Liverpool need to find answers. We, we thought a week on the training field, as they've had for the last couple of weeks, would help that. And all it's done is, I mean, they've got injuries in training, which depleted the options even more, and it's made it even harder for them. In terms of the sort of attacking depth, Doyle, I'm sure Liverpool would sort of point to young players that they've got coming through. You'd look at Cade Gordon as one. He's injured. Kind of, well, he's injured at the moment. Of, of course he is, but they, they don't want to block the, the pathway for him. I'm sure there's there's others. Obviously, Fabio Cavallio came on and, and did pretty well yesterday. Even Bobby Clark was on the bench, but I don't think it was ever realistic that he was going to get any minutes at Old Trafford. I mean, is that is is that enough of a reason slash slash excuse really for, for not going out and, and getting another forward is is that part of, of the long-term plan or or do you think Liverpool should have, have maybe done a little bit more in that and, and looked almost a little bit shorter term just to, to kind of maintain what they did last summer rather than maybe looking two three four years into the future okay right let's just deal with the actual numbers let's get this down to maths Diaz was meant to come in the summer so he came early right so there's one and they signed Nunes to replace Mane. That's two. And they actually obviously quite like Kay Gordon. Although this season, I think they think Fabio Carvalho can be an option up front. So that's three. So there's your three. And if you look at the actual priorities of around the rest of the team, I've forgotten about Steve Bulls. Well, Carvalho was one, obviously, yes. So you, they could argue that they bought two forwards or football attack-minded players. Certainly one striker. That's kind of a player that they actually needed in Nunes. Then they got a, a, a right-back, which is, you know, he will hopefully provide some kind of competition for Trent. But I guess what? He's injured. So, um, yeah. So it, it just it keeps on coming back to that. I mean, I personally think that if you look at the... It depends what they want this season. It depends what, what Liverpool want and what they think is realistically right or what they've got further down the line. Because they obviously got Elias and it took him two seasons to get into the team. And he would have played loads more last season had he not got injured because he was in there at the start and doing well. And as we've seen this season, he's now starting at Old Trafford. He's playing other games. Um, Cavalier will end up playing quite a few games by the end of the season, probably more than they expected because of you know the injury situation. And I wouldn't be surprised if he started against Bournemouth, for example. So there's that. But yeah, I mean, again, okay, what's that? We've got 29 minutes and 50, nearly 30 minutes into this into this podcast. And we're now going to mention FSG and their funds for transfers. Now, we don't know how much Jurgen Klopp's got available to spend. But I'm pretty sure if he had if he had enough, he'd go out and buy a striker and he'd buy a midfielder right now. He'd just go and do it. Doesn't work like that. You know, Liverpool haven't got the funds of some of the other clubs. And there's obviously difficulty signing players. What is it, 23rd of August? So there's just over a week to go. And when Liverpool sign people late, you know, it's very rare that they do that under Klopp. They did it with Oxlade Chamber. That was different because... I think Arsenal just realised at the last minute he's going to leave, so let's just get get rid of him. And Liverpool want to spend the money. You know, the other two, Ben Davis and you know Kabak, that didn't really go to plan. And I do, you know, there is that worry that they're going to end up having to get somebody in, one or possibly two. I'm going to say one before someone misquotes me. Um, one midfielder purely because they just need numbers. It's as simple as that. But will it be somebody that they would have wanted to have signed? For three or four years, I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. But I would be now very incredibly surprised if 
Liverpool don't take, especially if Kate is out for a significant amount of time. That's basically the, the, the you know, that's the rider on this because I, I think we kind of fear he might be reading between the lines for what, what Klopp was saying. Is they're going to have to take a short-term hit on the finances because the long-term gain is to make sure they're in the top four because ultimately that's what they're playing for now, getting into that top four. Now, people don't like talking about money, but if Liverpool want money, they're going to have to get into that Champions League again. So that's they're going to have to do that, I'm afraid. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. How likely is it, Lynchy, do you think that they would change their stance or, or would that, I mean, to me, that that would almost feel like they were panic buying. Maybe it's got to that stage that they do have to panic buy. I mean, what what sort of likelihood do you think it is over the next, what, eight days, is it, until the, the transfer deadline? I mean, it doesn't feel like anything is, is imminent if, if Liverpool were to, to kind of change their mind on that. I think they'll hold on for as, as long as they can. I mean, you know, I think back to the centre-back situation um, you know, they, they really didn't even want to sign a centre-half then. It was only when Joe Matic went down in the last couple of days of the window that they actually finally broke on that and then signed two players who, you know, made very minimal contributions in the end anyway. Um, so that shows just quite how stubborn they can be, um, you know, leaving it to that sort of level of things. And, and maybe they'll think similar in, the, in terms of midfield. You know, maybe it'd have to be a season end if another case of them to change their mind, um, which I just, I just think is is absolutely crazy. I think they, they, they knew they needed a midfielder anyway. They clearly went for one, um, you know, for all the reasons we've discussed in terms of, you know, certain players going past the peak and, and not being able to contribute and, and the general injury-prone nature of that collection of footballers. Um, and yeah, I, I don't hold out an awful lot of hope that they'll they'll go and, and do anything because they will argue that, you know, they're waiting for the right one. But, it, you know, maybe... The, the age profile thing that we actually spoke about earlier is quite interesting in terms of you basically got a few 19, 20-year-olds and then some guys who are towards the end of the career and then nothing really in between apart from Navi Keita who's injured quite a lot. And that's kind of interesting because, you know, that that's clearly where Liverpool could, could strengthen and, and where they would look to buy someone is, is of that age profile that comes in and makes an instant sort of first-team impact. But it, did they sort of accept when they didn't get too many that this was going to be a little bit of a transitional season in terms of the midfield? And and if that's the case, you know, you're probably going into next summer needing two anyway in terms of some of the departures that are going to be there. So if this is going to be a transitional season, why don't you get the ball rolling in terms of bringing someone in and allowing one of the two that you're probably going to need and allowing them to adapt? Because, you know, you've got that process ongoing with, for example, Nunez at the moment. He's, you know, he's going to be going through that process this season. So... It's just it's just very very difficult to to understand the the thinking behind it, and I, I think fans who are you know putting all their eggs in the Jude Bellingham basket as well have got every chance of being disappointed because I think Liverpool will have a very set idea about what they want to pay in terms of wages, so they're not just hanging on for him either. So it's yeah, I I really cannot understand the approach in midfield. I I don't I don't get it. Liverpool have been proven right on this sort of stuff many many times over in recent years. So you know maybe I'm getting it completely wrong, but I I don't. I don't expect that they will sign anyone in midfield unless Cater is a, a pretty bad injury and, a, and I, I don't understand it, to be honest. Klopp always talks about the right player, but if Cater's out, then surely the right player is somebody to replace Cater. So I think that might change things a little bit. And I'm pretty sure if there is any kind of, not battle or conversation or persuading that needs to be done to FSG, Klopp can just say, well, here you go. Here's all these players that are injured. 
and this one is going to be out for this long and this long and this long and he's out with his contract etc 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 because we know oxide chamber is not coming back anytime soon and don't know what's up with Jerome jones that's that's a bit of a worry for me that one he mentioned stress stuff and he's not been very specific on it but for someone who's still a young player to, to have that kind of thing you know again put my old head on i go back to someone like rob jones and he always went you know it could be something completely different, but that's just my own concern on that. Um, so, yeah, I do think if the right player is not at a time when they've hardly got any midfield options, and it's the other thing as well, it's not fair on the likes of James Mill. He would not have thought to be he'd be playing these many big games so early in the season. With the five substitutions, that's probably why he signed his contract, because he thought, well, I'm going to get loads of games, we're going to get half an hour here. And that would be the same for some of the other younger ones as well, like Cavallion, people like that. But now that more is being asked of them straight away. And the other thing, which I saw straight away, and people, for some reason, just totally ignored it. Liverpool's fixture list at the start is not easy with all these away games. It's just Chelsea the next away, Everton the next away game, and then Chelsea after that. I've already yeah. played Man United. You know, that's just three of the hardest games all season that they'll play. So they could have done with, I don't know, a, a a few easier games, for example. Well, that was said that, but he couldn't win at Fulham. Even, well, even Fulham was a tough game, you know, going to them on the opening day of the season. If you're playing Fulham when you were playing, meant to be playing Chelsea in a couple of weeks, it would be a completely different game. So that's not, you know, you've got to play everybody twice. I hate people who complain about fixture lists, but it's just the way that the games where they fall and for Liverpool, the injuries have come at the wrong time as well for that. So I, I do feel a little bit sorry for some of the players because more is being expected of them. They're being criticised. They're just trying to do the jobs that they weren't, expected probably expected to be doing at this point in the season i mean as well as as injuries theo there's obviously three players in midfield out of contract next summer lynchy mentions there the fact that they might need two next summer i mean if they're waiting for the right player and the perfect player isn't available this summer if you're then having to go and get two of the perfect player next summer even that just makes it more difficult for yourselves doesn't it yeah it does like there are a few decent players coming to the end of the contracts that they could be looking at next year but all the attention is going to be on Jude Bellingham, but we're talking about they need some players that are at the peak of the powers now. <laughs> well, Bellingham's a teenager still, isn't he? So even then, he could take some time. Like He's not played in the Premier League before. I know he's this generational talent that's looked superb for Dortmund. He's impressed when he's played for England, but he could be like Nunes now and he's needing a bit of time to settle, get up to pace and be the right player. He's more a long-term investment. But even then... Real Madrid could just get him now to replace Casemiro. We know they'll have the funds. That's how they've got a sure many this year. It's all about Bellingham needs to make that decision. Like If Bellingham wants to go to Liverpool, I think there's a confidence there that Liverpool will find a way to get it done. But if he's happy to listen to offers and it isn't Liverpool or no one, they've got a fight on their hands. And it's just becoming so difficult for them because it, they looked at it this year, 2022. That was when they were going to upgrade the attack. They were going to make those next steps. They brought in Diaz, they brought in Nunes, they brought in Carvalho. On paper, it made sense waiting until 2023 to do the same thing for midfield because you don't want to have a completely new team altogether. You need to make it in stages and they would have eight, nine players who could play in midfield. But when they're the ones who are getting injured time and time and again, and these three that are out of contract, I, I didn't think it was a bad decision giving Milner a contract for the sentence of five substitutions. As Doyley said, he's perfect to bring on for 30 minutes to see out a game, to give you that leadership, to make a difference. But when you're asking him to start games, there's no issue with his fitness. He can cover every blade of grass, but he isn't that starting quality. You need that middle ground there. 
that Cater was supposed to be this player that could be central in the midfield along with Fabinho, but we know his injury record. Oxlade-Chamberlain's going to go. They can't rely on him anymore. You look at these injuries, bringing it back to injuries. Liverpool have always kept it close to their chest on how long players are out for. And in the past, that has suited them. It means there's been no pressure on players to come back. They can just get ready. We even sort of Harvey Elliott last year. He's back in February, but they could keep him behind the scenes a little bit. Didn't have to play him much so he could make sure he was right when he did return. But when you get all the injuries at once, there's the panic now. Like Joel Matip, we thought, oh, that's only going to be one or two weeks. And now Klopp's saying, oh, it could be a month. You don't know when these players are going to be back. And you look at their records. This could be players out until October. Like Diogo Jota having another hamstring injury. It's like, well, should he not be closing on a return now? If that's a month, six-week layoff for a hamstring injury, it could be a serious one. It could be another month, another six weeks. We don't know. He's just creating this panic with the last week to go until the window. And um, You look at attackers, midfielders that are available. You see the players that the title rivals are being linked with. That was at United being linked with Pulisic. Oh, Liverpool have been in for him before. That would be an interesting one to go for if you wanted a new forward. But he's got a dodgy injury record. Hudson Odoi, they've been linked with him before. He's got a dodgy injury record. It's very hard to find the right player who's going to tick all the boxes, can come in, hit the ground running. They got it with Luis Diaz last year, and now they need to go and find it again. Diaz was someone they've done all the scouting on. They wanted to bring in, what, this summer. They had to act to get him in six months early. Are Liverpool really planning on someone they'd bring in in January or next summer who they're suddenly going to be available now and they can get a deal done? It's unlikely because if they could do it 12 months earlier, it wouldn't be August 23rd and we're having this conversation. It would have been something they'd have looked to do in June, in July, have them in for pre-season and have this all forward plan ready and avoid this issue. But it's just players who get injuries, getting injured again. But then you've always got the players who haven't had the injuries who suddenly get struck down. Like Naby Keita, he was having great appearance record in Germany. And then all of a sudden he comes to Liverpool, he's injury prone. There's countless examples like that. Um, uh, Oxide chamberlain he had a dodgy injury record, but there are others as well. Liverpool just got so many of them. And there have been those criticisms in the past of it's the intensity Jürgen Klopp puts the squad under, how much they train and everything. But we've not seen real intensity from Liverpool on the pitch for a number of months now. And it is the concern going into this game at the weekend against Bournemouth when they really need to win. Same as they really need to win against Manchester United and they really need to win against Palace. You can't be falling too far behind in August. But that's the situation we're in. Absolutely. Plenty for Jurgen Klopp and for Liverpool to think about this week. And hopefully the witch has left the AXA training centre and there's no more injuries over the course of the next few days. That'll just about do us, though, for this episode of the show. Lots more stuff to come throughout the week, including the Champions League group stage draw. We'll bring you that live on YouTube on Thursday, 5pm UK time. That one kicks off. Until next time, though, from all of us here, it's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.